and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep. Welcome to the Dog Pod. Your home for the dawn of the DeBoer era. Washington Huskies, now led by Kalen DeBoer. Was anyone worried about this a few weeks ago? Look, we have a high five wheeled in private jet flying athletic director ready to bring home our new fearless leader, Fresno State's Kalen DeBoer. Law Dog, how are you feeling today? Well, it was captured very uh, adequately by somebody's cell phone camera, BT, and they filmed the the whole flight for us. So thankfully, we got lots of views of the Washington private jet. I mean, you know, today's a new day. Feeling optimistic. So before we get into, we're going to spend a lot of time on Kalen DeBoer. But before we do, Law Dog, we got to talk about how we got here the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm going to set this up because I think there's some money here. I'm going to give you the Hallmark Channel script that's going to cover. Two weeks of Husky football in great detail, made for television movie. I'm going to tell you who plays the characters, and you tell me how we got here. Okay, first of all, Jen Cohen, played by Chelsea Handler. Okay, <laughs> Bob Gregory. At least you didn't by, go Amy Schumer. I could have gone Schumer. I could have gone Schumer. I'll watch anything Schumer's in. That's a compliment. Bob Gregory, played by Greg Kinnear, Little Miss Shun- the, the Little Miss Sunshine era. Jimmy Lake, played by. Morris Chetnut. Morris Chetnut from Under Siege, Boys in the Hood. I will say anything about this. Whatever you want to say about Jimmy Lake, handsome man. A handsome man. Matt Campbell, played by Efren Ramirez. Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. Bob Stoops, played by Danny McBride. Chris Peterson, none other than Nick Nolte. Big role. <laughs> big role for Nolte. I mean, that is a real, that's a tough dig on Coach Pete. I think I, this is Nick Nolte. Come on. I mean, this is we're, we're, we're stepping him up here. Jeff Tedford, played, for, played by none other than John Malkovich. Jen Cohen's leopard print blazer, played by Keto from the Houston Zoo. Keto, you did not die in vain. Even though you passed, your jacket lives on in Jen Cohen's leopard print blazer. And last but not least, our own Kalen DeBoer, play, played by Neil McDonough, Yellowstone. Band of Brothers, Minority Report, a handsome man and of himself. These are the characters. You tell me, what does this two-week script look like? What happens? Drama ensues. Yeah, well, it started the night of the Oregon game on November 6th, right? They suspended Lake, and we went into great detail on that show about kind of, you know, all the things that had transpired that led to that point. And, and you know, by suspending the coach, you know, for essentially pushing a player, they back themselves into having to go through this search. Um, they, they knew they were going to have to make a change. It was just a matter of kind of how and when that was going to transpire. So the, you know, the next, the next week they pulled the trigger, Bob Gregory ends up kind of coaching out this lame duck part of the season. But I mean, we knew that behind the scenes, Jen Cohen was, you know, working the phones that she was getting prepared for, for the biggest hire of her life, frankly. Um, you know, she, uh, said in the press conference uh, where they announced Lake's firing, you know, this is on me and I've got to do better. And, 
And, you know, she went out there and tried to do that with the hire of Kaylin DeBoer. So, you know, she she indicated in that press conference she was relying on a tight circle of advisors. She's kind of elaborated on that, that it included Chris Peterson and Tedford, as you alluded to. Those guys were part – and Skip Hall is a big booster, a former assistant coach at Washington who played a big role in getting Peterson here. I'm sure he was in um, that circle as well. So, you know, they had the luxury, and I'll call it a luxury, of having a little time on their hands um, to kind of go through and vet candidates, talk to people who had worked with them before and all of that. Um, of course, she ends up settling on DeBoer as the head man, but not before some very public flirt. I, I wouldn't say public, but I would say some leaked. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it just like any position, right? It's a coveted position. You're paying somebody millions of dollars. You don't just, you know, I think her mistake in hiring Jimmy Lake was we're just going to give this guy who's sitting right here in the left-handed seat, you know, the, the drivers, the, the keys to drive the vehicle. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and without doing a search, without going through who you could have gotten at that point when the program was, you know, less than 12 months from a Rose bowl, you know? So, um, she didn't double or repeat that mistake. I should say this time around, um, she went through a full search and, you know, I'm sure they looked at Bob Stoops. I'm sure they, called his agent. Um, we, you know, it seems pretty clear that they were making some overtures to Matt Campbell. Um, maybe why after the Iowa state season ended last Friday, it still took a couple of days. He may have been thinking it over by that time. The Brian Kelly, um, news had started to kind of yep. trickle out and Campbell may have said, Hey, there's going to be other opportunities. So I'm going to, you know, look at some other ones and the coaching carousel, Still not over by any means. No. There's going to be a lot more movement. Campbell will probably land somewhere, I would guess. Um, But, you know, I think there was a rumor also going around online that the Huskies are taking a really long look at Dave Clawson um, over at Wake Forest. Um, So we know they were looking at Power 5 coaches, existing Power 5 coaches. Uh, Clawson, you know, for his part, signed an extension pretty quietly uh, for how these things are. It wasn't one of those $95 million extensions. So, um, and Campbell's in a position to, to sign an extension as well. So, you know, when you're up against the, you know, the recruiting period coming up in a couple of weeks here, um, you know, you've had a vacant coaching position for a few weeks here. I think she was under pressure um, to, to pull the trigger. And Kaylin, you could do a lot worse than Kaylin DeBoer. I don't mean to say that we're not. Uh, excited about him, but, um, but I do think it's clear that, you know, there's always, you're always going to look at the best possible option you can find for the program. Um, so DeBoer, uh, ends up being that guy. He's had a tremendous, uh, record in the lower levels of college football. He's really only been, you know, a handful of seasons at the, at the power five level. And as a head coach for only 18 games, but Fresno nine and three this year, they, and they looked really good doing it, beating some good teams. They hung with Oregon to start the year, and everyone kind of chuckled at Oregon and snickered. And it's like, hey, turn around. That was a 9-3 and three Fresno team. So that was a good team that hung with them in Austin Stadium. So DeVore had a lot of things going on the right track. The people in Indiana absolutely love him. He was just coordinator there for one year. But his offenses um, have really you know, been impressive at this level. And I think Jen Cohen probably was, you know, looking for something that was going to excite the fans a little bit. Um, and maybe an offensive coach was kind of the way to go there. Yeah, I, I agreed. I think, you know, I don't know 
how much that makes its way into a Hallmark movie script, I think you're gonna have to add a lot of drama in there. A lot of like, <laughs> you know, we're on the we're on the tarmac. You know, lean into this, lean into this role, Nick Nolte. Come on. Um, Chris right. Peterson does not want to be played by Nick Nolte. Nobody really does. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is my. I, I'm the director here. I say who plays who. Uh, you know, I, it'll be. It would be interesting at some point to see. I mean, like you know, there's lots of rumors of like, oh, they wanted seven million a year uh, for Matt Campbell, and maybe he stuck it out because he thought he was in, in line for a Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Uh, like, take your pick, a Florida, all these other jobs that are open up, and that and that's fine. Or, or is using that for for leverage, like everyone could. I, I'm actually glad that um, we took a lap. And we took a lap around and uh, of, of let's let, let me get into a little bit more about Kalen DeBoer though, because we talk about him. Yeah, please. Um, 47 year old, you know, and this is, this is, you know, where this is just making yourself, especially myself here, feel pretty old, uh, South Dakota native, uh, where he played wide receiver. So, I mean, this guy's native, native South Dakota played. Wide too, receiver. You don't, you don't have a $16 million contract to show for your career so far. I, I, I do not. I do. I do not have one. I, I, I don't have. I don't have any any of that. I still have not to have flown private uh, at any point. I've actually never high fived a woman in a leopard print blazer either. Never done it. Never done it. Um, got his coaching career started there as a position coach, 2000 to 2004. Head coach, 2005 to 2009. Where this is where I love this. Four NAIA championships and a 67 to three record. I don't care what level that is. I don't care. He knows how to infuse a culture and get the most out of his talent. I love it. Spent By the way, the other the team that they beat um, it, had won like something like seven out of ten. Yeah, of Wisconsin. The, yep. Yeah, the the like juggernaut program, right? And and DeBoer comes in, they win three out of his five years, and you know then he takes off. Unreal. Uh, spent twenty ten to twenty sixteen as offensive coordinator at Southern Illinois and Eastern Michigan. Uh, then his stand at, uh, at o- first stand at OC at Fresno State before heading to Indiana for a year, as you talked about, in 2019. Helped move to Indiana from 88th in offense to 42nd in the country, 31.8 points a game. And I think, if you remember this, helped turn around Michael Penix uh, uh, into like what was er, talked about for a little period of time as a Heisman contender. Fresno State head coach the last two years. First year, COVID year. They were the last Mountain West team to return to campus. I mean, California, all sorts of troubles getting back on, right? Um, so it goes through. They, they were four and eight Tedford's final year before right. DeBoer took over as coach. That's right. Comes in three and three this year, nine and three second in the West this year wins over. Let's think about this. Then at the time, number three, 13 UCLA at the time, number 21, San Diego state and a much better Oregon showing than the Huskies this year. Uh, 24, 31 in Eugene losses at Hawaii. I hate to say it. Like I almost give everyone a pass. Like don't, you don't want to play in Hawaii. Uh, they take out people every year and a, a, a tough, really ugly home loss to Boise state, 14 to 40. They were even ranked in the AP three times, 22, 18 and 25 and spent one week at number 23 in the CFP. They put up points. His offense is 11th in the FBS in yards per game. Super. If you look at what they do, Really creative and run pass balance, but ultimately, like when you hear about their type of offense, it's his goal is that the defense doesn't know on every single down whether you're going to run or pass. Set up your formation, set up your player personnel in a way in which you always keep the defense on their toes. I think that is the polar opposite of Huskies 2021 campaign where everyone knew exactly what was coming at them on each down. Um, Yeah, yeah, big gap, big gap. Here it goes. Here it's coming right there. Uh, Third and nine. Throw. They like to use the tight end, which we do too. Um, They target the field laterally, down the field. They do super well in scramble drills. 
Um, and part of that might be a little bit what if Hayner does, but in the past, if you look at his team, you'll find a quarterback that if they have the ability to scramble, downfield wide receivers know what to do, come back to the ball and make something out of nothing. Um, so this is, uh, this is what we know about him. Um, and, you know, I think he's taken this role, which I believe could be one in which, I mean, what are we looking for? And this is what I talked about when Chris Peterson left, is not only that, that coach who can, you know, potentially bring us back to, as he stated in his press conference, every year an expectation to win the conference and a goal to, at some point, win national titles. Um, but what's next on his plate? He needs to build a coaching and recruiting staff. We're going to talk about that. Um, but first things first, I want to talk about one thing that I think is more important than anything else that we're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to talk about coaching staff, but I, I think the number one thing, this Husky team is in significant need of a culture overhaul right now. Um, we have played under our abilities. I don't know if we know what our identity is. And I think this is a team who I don't blame them. They have not been set up for success. I don't believe the individual student athletes. I blame the, what the coaches did this year did not set them up for success and put and created an environment in which a culture in which the, they were losing to teams like Colorado. They shouldn't have lost to. And I don't want to say throwing in the towel of the apple cup, but I think that team particularly by the second half did not want to be on that field. And ultimately what resulted in the most I don't know if I want to say embarrassing, but that is the most lopsided loss in the 100-plus year of the Apple Cup. 113 years of the Apple Cup to a team that we are significantly better than on a person-to-person basis. Um, And I think a lot of that was, I don't know what this team's culture is right now. Um, Kayla DeBoer is going to have to come in and institute that, make a statement, and hire a staff that is able to pull that together. But that is, in my opinion, why the Apple Cup this year was what it was. Yeah, and I I mean, you look back at, let's go back to game one. I mean, here you were losing to Montana because you couldn't get, you know, first downs on third and short. You know what I mean? Like, the players are all looking around the locker room going like, dude, we're way better than these guys. Why are we calling this play when, when you know, it's not hard for players to decipher that the coaches are, are just totally out in left field and Jimmy Lake, you know, we talked about this ad nauseum. We don't need to get into it here, but I mean, comes from a defensive background and here he hires just a total retread head scratcher to be your OC. And when the offense sets the pac 12 record for most quarters without a touchdown scored in weeks one and two BT, I mean, you're just looking around going like, what the hell's going on? So yeah, the players were completely ill served by the coaching staff um, that that Lake had built for them. And a lot of these guys, you know, were holdovers from the Peterson era, not as many as maybe you think, but there are definitely some guys that have been there the whole time. And, and, and so I don't want to throw it all, uh, throw them into it as well, because a few years ago we were singing all of their praises. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but whatever the leadership at the top, it was not working. Jimmy just thought that he knew better than everybody and was too stubborn to change. And I think one of the things that I really took out of DeBoer's press conference quotes one of the things that I really latched onto that really made me excited was when he said, we are going to be diverse. We're going to fit our scheme and what we do to the players we have. I mean, to me, that was like music to my ears after two years of Jimmy Lake trying to run the ball right into the a gap. I just, I can't stand it anymore. 
Um, so I, I'm really excited to see what we do next year because you know there's there's a lot of talent on this roster. We're going to get into it a little bit, but I I thought he was masterful in that press conference. It's uh, almost as though he he had been told, "Hey, our fans are worried about X, Y, Z. You address these things," and he did. Um, you know, and I don't want to harp on her too much, and I think uh, Chelsea Handler can really take care of this in the role. But one note to Jen Cohen. Um, don't screw up the head coach's wife's first name. Oh, that was that was awful. It is like that was that was just. Oh. <laughs> I think I wish it was Ashley, right? But did she go with Ashley? You know what, BT? I don't know, so I'm not going to try to say it. And I think that was I think that's her first mistake right there. It, it, it was. It's one of those things where my my goodness, you don't uh, you don't want to screw that up. But I, I mean, I, and you saw how quickly he corrected her too. You know, well, he's like, no, 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 no. And it's like you haven't even said a word into the microphone as our head coach. Your first word was correcting the AD on, <laughs> on, your, on your wife's, wife's name. <laughs> I mean, you can only laugh at this, if you could only laugh at this point. But look, so as we talked about, like he needs and, to... And look, can, can, I, can I jump in for yeah. a second? Uh, Jed Cohen, look, we've been hard on her. I, the fans have really been hard on her. I mean, depending on what corners of the internet you're, you're trolling around in, yeah. the fans can be really, really hard on Jed Cohen. Hey, you know what? Nothing's perfect. But by all accounts, she tried to go out and get a sitting power five, you know, coach um, and throw a lot of money at that person, be it Campbell, mm-hmm. be it Clawson. And, you know, you can't make somebody pick up and move their family across the country. And oh, and by the way, the press conference is tomorrow, right? You have to do all of this by tomorrow yeah, and hit the right. ground running and start working. And, you know, you can't make somebody do that if they don't want to do it. Matt Campbell is a guy who's barely left the Midwest of the United States. He's a three-time coach of the year at Iowa State. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving his conference. For all we know, he's thinking, I'm going to turn Iowa State into a dynasty. I'm now, about to dominate this conference. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that's what he's thinking. I don't think that's what he's going to do. But I'm just saying, you can only do so much. In the meantime, she went out, she flexed the muscle uh, of the university, and she she got a good coach. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, time will tell. If in five years we're sitting here going, that was a disaster, then she'll be fired. And she knows that she can't keep paying these guys multi-million dollar buyouts to get rid of her bad decisions. So, uh, I mean, this hire has to work for her too. She had no reason, you know, not to get the best coach that she could. It, it sure, it sure does. And look, if, if, the, if he's able to do what we think he is able to do, and it might not be one year out, maybe it's two, three, that's fine. Um, we will forgive her for calling Nicole Ashley. I think we yeah. can get over that real fast. Yeah. Um, so, look, we talked about this about number number one. He needs to infuse a strong culture of success in which a team is playing it through and through the last down and gives his players confidence to follow the schemes and and training plans that the coaches put together because they like feel confident they they, they know what they're doing. And I don't think, as you mentioned, that the team um, had that uh, by the end of the year. I just don't think they had any confidence in the coaching staff, and and that's where things sort of slip. He needs to make some hires. He needs to make some hires. Uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, he indicated in, in his press conference that he's been with a group of guys, you know, for a long time that they've been together. And, you know, when you're at the NA, I heard a couple, I've been listening and reading everything I can right in the last few days. Um, but when DeBoer was a head coach at Sioux Falls, he had three assistants, right? That's not power five. Right. You know, you don't have GAs. Um, you don't have, you know, support staff and all that. He was talking about picking up, you know, the equipment after the practices and stuff. So, right, uh, but right. but a few of these guys have been with him for a really long time. One of them is his offensive coordinator. We actually 
mentioned in our in our offensive coordinator um, candidate uh, show or the segment that we did, Ryan Grubb. So that guy mm-hmm. has been with DeBoer for a long, long time. He's been uh, an offensive line coach, then kind of a quarterbacks coach. I think he may kind of be naturally or better for the offensive line mm-hmm. uh, type position, but uh, but he's a he's a strong candidate, I'd say, for the co- offensive coordinator right now. Mm-hmm. Um, his defensive coordinator, William Inge, um, this is kind of an interesting story. I don't know if you caught this on Dogman, but um, Inge, you know, and then Fresno had a nice year on defense. I mean, they weren't lighting the world on fire by any means, but they, you know, they were a strong uh, defensive team at points this season. And, and Inge might, you know, be a really good fit um, for Washington staff. Maybe not as coordinator. Another guy, um, though, that, that, I found this really interesting on the defensive side of the ball was um, a Canadian coach um, by the name of Orlando Steinauer. And he's been in the Canadian football league for a long time. He coached with DeBoer for one season. Uh, sorry, under Jeff Tedford at Fresno, but DeBoer was the other coordinator for one season. Mm-hmm. Fresno was 10th in the country in defense that season. Then he went back to Canadian football. And, you know, so he could be a really interesting name um, for defensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know much about the recruiting chops, obviously. Mm-hmm. So in Steinauer might be candidate. We're hearing a lot of rumblings and rumors that Dante Williams at USC, DB coach and kind of ace recruiter that USC Lincoln Riley's like, hey, I'm bringing my own guys. And, you know, I may or may not have a place for you. So he's looking. Oh. And he was a former graduate assistant at UW. That would be a big land. Uh, I don't know about him. I don't know about him as coordinator because that's, you know, that would be like, you know, your Tosh Lupoy as a coordinator. It's like, that's a role they haven't been in before. We know they can recruit, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like Jimmy Lake here in a little ways, right? I mean, DeBoer is a a heavy duty offensive guy, right? Mm -hmm. I would like to see him and the university has given him all the resources he needs to hire a top coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. I'd like to see somebody with a lot of experience there personally, but if you can get Williams in as a co-coordinator, passing game coordinator, something like that, um, that would be an amazing coup. And, you know, maybe he's got the chops, what it, what it takes to be D coordinator. But so those are some names we're hearing. Um, then there's also uh, Kirby Moore, brother of Kellen Moore, who's the receivers coach at Fresno and one of their best recruiters. I think we can expect to see him. Another guy who's been with DeBoer for a really long time since the early days is Chuck Morrell, who coaches safeties for Fresno. I think it's safe and fair to say that he's probably going to be on this staff. Um, another guy is the running backs coach, Lee Marks. Those guys all just go back a really long way. Grubb, DeBoer, Marks, um, and Morrell. So I, I think all those guys are probably likely to be on this staff. Um, and, and then, you know, we'll see. He, he mentioned in the press conference he really wants to go after a lot of recruiters. A couple of recruiters, a couple of the best recruiters on the UW staff, you know, probably don't want to move. And that's um, Junior Adams, right? He recruited all those receivers. And then a, a Kaika Malloy, obviously, on the D line. So, you know, I think those I think are there's guys. a lot of people pulling for a Kaika Malloy, but. I mean, he's an alum. It's going to be tough. To, the Hawaiian Polynesian connection and stuff that he has, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to. to to let him go. But, you know, new coaches, you know, this is just what happens. We said the same thing about, um, you know, Peterson and guys like Wilcox, for example. Right. And it's like, Hey, I bring my own guys. And Pete Kwiatkowski was a name we had never heard before December, 2013 BT. And look how that turned out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think you're right. Um, I think it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Uh, what do you think about Courtney Morgan, Michigan? So bringing in a big name recruiter. Yeah. So he's, so there was an article in the athletic maybe a week or two ago. It was kind of the postmortem of the Jimmy Lake uh, and talking about how Lake had fired Cooper Patanga, who's now an analyst for 24 seven sports. And Patanga had been at Alabama was one of them. I actually want to say he was also at Michigan for a time, but he had been at some really big time programs and Peterson brought him in and Lake, you know, fired him when he became the coach. Um, he's not a coach obviously, but a staff person who, who, you know, probably is doing a lot of film evaluation, things like that, contacting players. Um, and he has a really good relationship with, with Connerly, who's the, the local five-star offensive tackle, uh, Josh Connerly. And, and he's currently at Michigan. So Courtney Morgan, um, that's a guy who has a connection as coach with DeBoer in the past. It sounds like they're at least making overtures. I saw some mention on the Michigan like message boards and stuff that they think he UW is recruiting him actively, trying to bring him over. So, you know, I mean, this is these are the kind of things that happen. Um, you know, there's staff turnover. There's a lot of, uh, but but Courtney Morgan is a guy who's you know really into social media. He's really um, got this strong connection with with Connerly. Or um, am I saying his name right? Yeah, Josh Connolly. Yep, Josh Connolly. Um, and and so you know that that's the kind of hire that you make, and it's like boom. Now Connolly. Now we're in the game for Connolly with two weeks to go. Right? Doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're going to get him, but um, but that that would be a big get. And also just overhauling some of the staff, the marketing staff, the the administrative staff, the recruiting staff. I mean, that's a head coach's purview. And frankly, with the last two years, like what has any of those groups shown us that can't that isn't ripe for some level of improvement, PT. Yeah. And there's some, I think great connections. Ikai Kamalo was very well beloved. Um, Thomas Ford, Tracy Ford's brother, um, you know, quality control analyst with the offense, but his connections to everything that's happening in like the seven on seven, uh, you know, Ford sports, I think that is, is a nice connection. I would hate to see lost, but at the same time, I realize he's going to bring in a lot of his own people. But now I think this next thing where you would like to see is some big splash hires, whether that's a, you know, Dante Williams and someone else, or, you know, if it's bringing, you know, a Courtney Morgan or somebody, but I, I think big, get splash a couple of big hires like that. It will, yeah. it will really give you kind of a lot of momentum going into these next two weeks. Now, those guys have to be good fits for you beyond the next two weeks for it to, oh, yeah make a difference. But I mean, what guys we're talking about, I mean, these are guys from big time programs. Dante That's Williams right. is the interim head coach right now. At at USC. Until, I and I mean, for this game, for this game on yeah. Saturday, he's yeah, coaching. Saturday's coaching against Cal. It's crazy. Yeah. So I bet, I bet you by Sunday, we'll have news on Dante Williams future and whether that's at UW it's with us or somebody else. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so as we talked about culture, number one, two, he's got to build a staff. Uh, three, let me talk about some, uh, you know, I think what actually we talk about first, even holding on to who we have already, and then let's get into the recruits. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, you alluded to it earlier that he, that, uh, DeBoer, you know, getting on campus and then immediately kind of, you know, he's got a roster, he's got to get with these guys and figure out, Hey, what's their future going to be? I mean, there was a, there was a article on Dogman a couple I want to say a couple days ago that talked about how Lake or maybe it was a message board or something, but Lake 
under Lake, they were expecting almost 20, 20 or yeah, more so. players, right, to transfer. So, I mean, you know, if that's the case, you know, then we're way behind the eight ball because with eight, 10 commitments for, you know, signing day in a couple of weeks, you're going to have a ton of openings on your roster. So I would expect that his first line of business is going to be, okay, I'm going to get with the players on this roster who have eligibility left. And we've already seen a couple of them come out and say, we're staying. Terrell Bynum was a guy who basically didn't, he go through senior um, ceremony at the apple cup. And now he said, no, I'm coming back. Jalen McMillan said he's coming back. Awesome. I love that. Uh, Right. I mean, we need more of that rolling thunder, you know? Right. So you just more, you know, this is a program that just, we have not had a lot of good news in the last two years, BT. I mean, ever since Chris Peterson stepped down really, I guess three years ago, um, well, two years ago, he, it's just been drip, 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 tough news after tough beat after, after heartbreaking, you know, it's just, and finally there's the thing about this press conference, um, the other day is just, it finally gives us a shot in the arm. Right. And here we got our star players, Jalen McMillan, you know, future star wide receiver. You got Terrell Bynum, your best receiver on your roster going, no, we are coming. We are going to be here. Right. That gives you something to build around now with this new coach and this, this new offense. Right. So yeah, I think if I were him, I'd be looking at DBs next because you're going to be losing bookie. You're going to be losing Kyler Gordon and you're going to be losing McDuffie all to the NFL. Most likely. That's right. You need Jacoby Covington to stay in the fold. Um, you need anybody with eligibility on that back end uh, who's been recruited by Lake, quite frankly. Um, you need those guys, as many of them as you can, to stick around. And you're going to need to coach them up. I mean, there's there's improvement that needs to be had um, by some of those uh, reserves right now who are going to be your starters next year. And then I'd say, I'd say next, I'd say you need to look at up front on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of talent in the offensive line room, but we, they haven't had an opportunity to get out there. Um, because, uh, this starting five has been together now for two straight seasons, but now you're going to lose Jackson Kirkland. You're probably going to lose Wattenberg. So there's going to be some openings, you know, you, see, you need a guy like gear and hatchet to stick around. You need, um, you know, some of those guys, uh, miles Mirau, right. You need to start, uh, breaking in your, your elite, recruit offensive linemen and get them on the field. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, we saw some flashes this year. We've seen it before, but I mean, these guys are going to be upperclassmen going into next season, right? Taki Taimani, Latuli Gasanoa. yep. And you've already had Will Latu say he's getting out of the program and he's leaving. So you're, you know, you are seeing a, a few, a little bit of attrition there. So it's just more important than ever that you keep as many of those stars on the defensive side of the ball, because frankly, they were a good defense this year. They weren't great. They weren't elite as they have been, you know, in the last five, six years, but this is a good defense and it gives you something to build on. If you could turn it around offensively. That's right. Yeah. He's got to make those calls and get people back in the ship. And I think even if we do lose a couple, we're in better shape than I think we were, if we had endured a little bit longer, I think that maybe that number 20, uh, could have been blown up proportion a little bit, but yep. whether that was 10, 12, whatever, um, you, you know, it, it just can't happen. Uh, you know, so look, I think as, as we mentioned, culture first hiring, you have to do all these simultaneously, but in order of importance, uh, keep the team that you have together. And I think the next thing is the recruiting class. Let me get into that a little bit. Um, this is interesting. When you talk about the class of 2022, let's not forget that we rank seventh in the PAC 12 that is behind recruiting powerhouses, Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon state. Oh, woof. Yeah. We have just nine commitments. You cannot lose 
wide receiver Jeremy Bernard. I hope he is texting him daily. You cannot lose. I mean, within the bounds of NCAA rules, BT. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Texting within the bounds of NCAA rules. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, carrier pigeon notes, please. Emeka Megwa, four-star wide receiver out of Texas. You can't lose him. Ryan Otten, tight end. Same thing. I don't think we're going to. Like, I believe Megwa's already enrolled, so I think that That's he, right. he would have to go to the portal. But yeah, he still needs a phone call. Um, Chance Bogan. <laughs> I mean. Tight end out of out of Lincoln, you know I'd like to see him. And look, I'd like to see the other guys too. I, I, I not to say I don't want Parker Brailsford, uh, Lance Holdsclaw, uh, Vega Yoni. These are all great. We need help on the line. We really need these. But those top names I mentioned, holy smokes, you can't lose them. Let's get those guys in. Next, can you flip somebody? Now, was there someone who was turned off by the direction of the program that we can flip now? And you already mentioned him. Number one, Josh Carnley from Rainier Beach. Um, if that, ha- that's not official, can we flip him? Mark Naboo from O'Day, Malika Ogbo from Federal Way, uncommuted, huge gets that we wanted. Phone calls in. Was it something that they were turned off by that we can get them wrapped around what the future of this program looks like now? Um, and I think there's some others that like, you know, look, I'm going to throw these out as flyers, but a quarterback like Malik Murphy, does he see the train wreck that Texas, where, you know, that what Texas is? And go, holy smokes, man. I don't see the Sark thing working out. And he opens up. Um, others, like Tobias Merriweather, four-star wide receiver out of Camus. He's supposed to go to Notre Dame. Does he see what's happening in Notre Dame? And say, hey, forget it, you know? I mean, there's a lot of guys. Five-star running yeah, back. breaking up. tonight, BT, is their defensive coordinator at Notre Dame's been uh, elevated to head coach. That's right, they, head coach. So they're, he... they're going for that continuity thing, yeah. Right. And so does the wide receiver see that and go, whoa, dude. That This is not what I was looking for in Notre Dame. I was looking for the vision that Brian Kelly sold me on. Five-star running back, Relique Brown. He decommits from Oklahoma. Look, there, the, D, the Oklahoma decommit list is long. Put in a phone call. Just put in a phone call. There's a bunch of secondary prospects, man. Um, Damani Jackson, Zion Branch, Larry Turner, Zeke Berry, all strong four-star, non-committed, who we made overtures to that maybe were turned off by something that they saw either beginning of the season with the recruiting staff that was going after them or during the season saw, holy smokes, these guys lost to Montana. I'm out. But can we make a phone call and get into them? The next thing I want to talk about, the transfer portal. I thought we did well. Jalen Polk, Bookie, Giles. I thought we picked up great talent. I think yeah, I mean, should. I think Bookie's the best transfer in Washington history that I could think of. I mean. A hundred percent. And if Jalen Polk had stayed healthy, maybe would have been, we would have been putting him up there as well. Both right? him and Jackson were contributors this year in an offense that wasn't really getting him the ball that much. So I, I agree. That's right. So, look, we know who we're going to talk about, but let's get into it first. Another Fresno State name. Um, Jalen Cropper, six-foot uh, junior right receiver from Clovis High. Man, this guy was a stud. 827 yards, 11 touchdowns. He had a knee injury against San Diego State, but just came back and, and balled out the rest of the year. I, look, I loved – this guy gets playing time today if we get him. So I, I'm sure – these guys, I bet you that DeBoer is getting inbound calls from Fresno State players going, hey, how about me? Can you take me? And there's a couple we need to bring. We got to talk about it. Jake Hayner. Yeah, I mean, we've just spent so much time on this podcast talking about Jake Hayner, who is not a Washington quarterback. And yet, maybe that was not all a waste, BT, because he may again be a Washington <laughs> quarterback. You look at what he did. Um, I, we're not the only call he's getting. If he's getting one. Yeah. I, 
I just do not think there's any realistic possibility he transfers and leaves Fresno State to any other university other than the University of Washington. I really don't. I think I think here here here's my non factual here's my non actual knowledge based on factual evidence, right? He's asked DeBoer is asked about Hayner during the press conference. And he know, says, yeah. Hey, basically <laughs> leaves the door open, says, Hey, if he thinks it's the best thing for him to come back to Washington, then hey, great. Just hours later, BT, he's officially in the portal. By the way, Fresno State is a nine win team and has a pretty big bowl game that they're gonna play in, in a few weeks. Right? Yeah. And it, he's like bailing on them to uh, uh, so I mean to me, if anything, he was sending the signal like, hey. I'm ready. I'll be there, coach. Um, so it, to me, it just, it really looks like Hayner wants to come back. He will be back. And frankly, if he does, he'll be the best quarterback on the roster next season, right? I think mm-hmm. where I get concerned and I have mixed feelings is DeBoer's not the head coach just in 2022. We're not just trying to win as many games as possible in 2022. We're also trying to win games in 2023, 24, 25, where Sam Heward is I mean, by all accounts, going to be your starter, right? So are those snaps that you give to Hayner in 2022 better spent on a guy who's going to lead your program for, for three years after that? And, you know, I, I just tend to, I, I, I just have mixed feelings about this. I know it, it would make the Washington immediately relevant offensively next season. Um, it it, it would, and look more on the most important price to that. The most important thing uh, for the team is to get as many wins as you can next year and show the recruits in the future that we're on the right track. And a lot of people are going to have us at like seven and five next year preseason after the tra- the train wreck that it was this year. Like I get it. I just think if you're going to bring in Hayner and real quick, uh, you know, completing 67 percent of his passes, 3810 yards, 32 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And if you watch that UCLA wow. game, I mean, he was just he was a warrior. That's the guy that Washington thought he could be when they recruited him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, just handle that and handle the Sam Heward situation delicately, because if you do bring him on and all of a sudden bombshell, you know, Damon's calling Sam and he's in the transfer portal. Well, holy crap, what are we doing here? You know, we've mortgaged the future for what, you know, maybe as an extra win or two next year. So well, that's, please, that's exactly my point. I, I mean, Damon Hewitt works for the athletic department. He doesn't have to even leave the building to talk to him and, and, you know, and go talk to Sam and just be like, Hey, look, I mean, this is a guy I've played with that, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be anointed the starter, but how's Jake Hader going to feel if he goes back to Washington, loses a quarterback competition to, to Sam Hewitt. I mean, it's just, there's, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers and ways it could go sideways as much as you'd really like to have him in the uh, in the quarterback room. And particularly given like getting benched the last game, do we lose Demo? Um, you know, who, who that, that's the playbook at this point, which I'm not going to blame him. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah we but, are not even mentioning Dylan Morris, and that's by design, BT. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, at some point, like as we've talked about before, like there was a time when like we, you, you blink and Washington had two quarterbacks in the quarterback room. And, it, you know, it's not enough. Um a couple other guys, and, and like these are crazy, but like, do you make a call to Laitu Latu and MJ Tafisi and just say, "Hey, like, I get you sure? that." He, I don't know. I like. I, no, no, I'm just, saying, guys, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, are you sure? Like, are you sure about this? Like, like, did you have a problem or things that like we you could have you back because we've already done our evaluation. We think there's a spot for you. There's some other ones that I'd like to see them take a flyer on, man. Um, I'll throw this out there: Diamante uh, Diamante Tranum from ASU. Great running back, ran all over the place. We really liked him in high school. 
So as a guy like that, I don't know. Is that worth a call? There's some big names. Um, well, we're graduating a couple running backs too. That's a that's, that's right. a position that I mean, you know, they've they've got some guys in the room, right? They're going to come back with Cam Davis and um, Richard Newton, Davion Sunday. But after that, where are you? I'd love I'd love to see that happen. There's some other guys. Um, uh, King Mutuka, he's from Alabama, four star, 250 pound, uh, 250 pound edge outside linebacker. Guys like this, they're in the transfer portal, but right now don't have a home. Make the call and see because I think we've shown guys like Jalen Polk, guys like Bookie made a big um, splash. We obviously have room. Um, I don't think you're going to get the uncommitted five star, you know, 2022 guy. I mean, it really exists, but like it's worth a call. See what happens. See if we can pull one of these guys over. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the portal is going to be huge. And, you know, I think DeBoer, um, one of the things that I'm, I'm watching and the jury has not yet reached a verdict BT is that, you know, how much is he going to adapt to this world of really high level college football where you have these guys who are really elite recruits who could have gone anywhere in the country. And then they find themselves in a situation where, you know, it's not what all they thought it was going to be. They're behind somebody else, whatever. And so they enter the transfer portal. That's not happening at, um, you know, at the lower levels that he's worked at previously. Obviously he's been at Fresno state and really done a good job at picking off, frankly, Husky football players, mm-hmm. <laughs> the transfer portal. So I, I know he knows how it works and, but that's just something I'm going to be watching is because if we can really attack that, um, hard in the next couple of years, yeah, we can have this thing, you know, back up and running pretty quickly. Well, his ability to be a CEO and spend his time on the right things and, you know, like the old political example of like Jimmy Carter scheduling the tennis lawns himself. Yeah. Um, you know, he needs to, he needs to get to a point where like, you, yeah, you don't have to carry bags and clean up it, like you had to in Sioux Falls and, and can you focus on the right things and find the yep. right people and let them, yep. and let them grow. Um, the last thing, so we talked about culture. We talked about his hiring. We talked about keeping the team together. Um, we talked about the 2022 class uh, transfer portal. One other thing I think he really is going to need to get after um, is name and image and likeness. We were late to the game, but I will say I love Montlake Futures. If you look at who's put that together, Coach Pete, Neil Dempsey, the, lo- the local support staff of like, you know, Alaska Airlines, Amazon, Costco, Nordstrom, getting these guys on board. This is a hall of fame of Husky legends, Sis Bates, Vita Vea, Kelsey Plum, Taylor Rapp, Detlef Shrimp. I love this. I love that they're kind of keeping it at arm's length and not fully in-house, but is obviously fully supported by the university. Um, this is a new game that there probably weren't that many opportunities at, at Fresno State. I mean, maybe Jake Hander did a couple car lot deals. I don't know. But um, this is at a point where uh, he's got to get this right because we came up late, and I think it's the future of recruiting uh, in college football. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we look at who are our rivals. And in the conference, we think of our rivals as obviously the Cougars, but also Oregon, USC. Those are the teams we're vying to beat. And both of those schools seem to be way ahead of us on the name, image, and likeness thing. However, mm-hmm. you know, UW seem to have gotten their act together. They've put together they put together a or at least an association with the Smotlick Futures group and you know it's we don't know that much about it, I think, right now. But really, mm-hmm. I think what we're 
what we need to do is be able to sell everyone on the idea that like you're going to have great opportunities through that. You know, I you're not going to have a cryptocurrency maybe, or Nike's <laughs> not going to yeah. you know sign you to a you know a blank a, check. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and some of that stuff we just will never be able to compete on. But you want it's kind of like you mentioned the political example. It's like if somebody's killing you with fifty million dollars worth of ads. You need to make sure that you get five million dollars worth of ads on there, right? It's like you can't you can't just concede the the terrain. You have mm-hmm. to go after it, even if you can't match it. You have to at least show people, hey, you're going to have opportunities. There's going to be a, a place for you in this, and you know this is part of our culture and part of our athletic department. Hundred percent. And we and we look, we got a late start. There's no other way to look at that. We got a late start on that. So it, you know, it's it's time for him to lean into it. Uh, support. What's it. past his prologue, BT? Thank What's you. What's past his prologue? It hasn't been said enough, has it been? Um, so, uh, like, all up, I want to say, a tough season for yours truly. Um, tough season for the dog pod. Uh, we stuck with you the whole year, and we're going to be back next year doing some travel games. Um, we're going to be back once we've named who these coordinators are, and we've got a little bit more life as to uh, an understanding about what this looks like next year. I, for one all up i'm just gonna say i'm pretty excited right now um i think sure matt campbell others uh would have been bob stoops big splash higher um and there's ways that could have gone sideways but i think of that next group there isn't anyone i was more excited about um than kalen DeBoer. so i'm glad that he's a husky and i think he has the chance to be this next gen of guys like a Chris Peterson that did it in the mountain West and did it elsewhere and showed that they can replicate that in the power five. Yeah, no, I, I think that this, this is a tremendous opportunity for him. It's it, you know, to prove that what he's been doing at these lower levels of college football dominating, essentially. I mean, especially in the NAIA context, absolutely dominating. And I heard him talk about, I realized that I could stay there forever and be their head coach, but I, what I wanted to do was be a head coach somewhere like UW. And so I knew I had to take my skills to the, the next higher level. And he's left every program that he's touched in better shape than when he got there. And so that bar isn't super high at the moment right now, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> but he's going to have an opportunity to go against the best, to recruit against the best, to, to play against the best. I mean, shoot, we got Michigan state coming week three BT and Mel Tucker and the $95 million, uh, coach is going to be on the other sideline, you know, that he's going to have an opportunity right away you to ready? establish himself. Yeah. So, uh, this is a tremendous opportunity and you know, I, I think we're excited about just finally having some something to rally around some good feel good good feelings about the program and and that's really that's really the medicine we needed and i promise i will not make a coach DeBoer charity t-shirt please don't cross my heart hope to die sugar on top no t-shirt my okg t-shirt uh, didn't survive too many washes bt it might be at the goodwill by now how dare you? If I see someone wearing that in a size tuddle, I'm going to have some serious words for my co-host here. Um, all right. Hey, DogPod fans, we will be back. Uh, you're going to hear from us again as we get ready for next season. Um, lots of excitement around the, the program. 
uh, Coach DeBoer, I know you're listening because you've been told where to get your news and information. Welcome. We welcome you. We welcome Nicole. We welcome the girls. Welcome to Seattle. Welcome to Washington. Go dogs. Go dogs. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.